0: I think at the end of the day, being, becoming more self-aware of how certain things impact you personally is the, is the end goal, not a blanket statement that says, you should change your workaholic mindset. You should work less because that will make you more valuable.
1: You're listening to the Authority Builder Podcast. I'm Steve Gordon. For the first five years, this podcast was known as the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. The episode you're about to hear uses that name, but don't worry, you're in the right place same great content new name enjoy welcome to the unstoppable ceo podcast i'm your host steve gordon and we've got an awesome interview for you today if you have ever felt like maybe you're sacrificing too much for work and we're going to talk about some some New information, some new studies around that. And we're also going to uh, work on some mindsets together today in the interview with my guest, Max Trailer. Max is the consultant's consultant, and he really focuses on helping uh, businesses simplify what they're offering, raise their price and sell more, which is something I think we all wanna do. And uh, you may remember him from episode 248 on the podcast, uh, but he is back today to talk about some new information that he has uncovered uh, in a study that that he's conducted. And uh, I'm excited to hear about it. Max Trailer, welcome back.
0: Cheers, good to be here. 248 sounds like uh decades ago
1: i know i know i think it was about a little over a year ago now
0: wow Uh, my how my how life has changed
1: yeah absolutely so uh give us a quick update um what has changed in in your world what what's new and for those who maybe haven't heard that episode uh just maybe a quick description of of who you help and what you do
0: yeah um Well, you know, circa one year ago, I was thrilled, uh, to help consultants and companies make more money and create more freedom in their personal lives, really by simplifying their business. Um, the, the one problem that you can see from the outside, uh, is that people are offering too many things and they're trading time for dollars. The solution is very simple. And this was the whole point of our 248 recording. Sell the one thing that is most strategic and difficult to replace sell your sell your knowledge and one singular process not hello Mr. and Mrs. Client what would you like today no that's a that's a that's handing over the keys to the car and you're not going to enjoy the ride you have one process you do it your way and uh, if you want to have some fun you can deliver it you can deliver it in different ways you can charge an arm and a leg for a consulting gig uh, you can do group workshops and and let 10 people pay you at a time. You can even put together one of those fun online courses that everybody on Facebook seems to be fancying. So uh, that, was, that was the point. And a year ago, I was just thrilled to know what to do. But for the past year, I've gone on this journey of understanding why it is so difficult to follow those simple directions. And it turns out there's a lot of psychology involved. And so... Step one was what should we do? And step two is how do we help people understand their own psychology and the nuances of business behavior and mindset to actually enjoy that newfound freedom?
1: So talk a little bit about the what motivated you to do this, this research. Um, you've created something called the psychology of consultants study with Dr. Ken Farrow. Um, what was the genesis of, of that project?
0: well i mean i guess it, it started at childhood right like we talked about this last time my, my dad always said put your personal life first and build a business around your personal life and it didn't take me long in a professional adult world to realize that that's a rare mindset everyone seems to have or especially in corporate which is where i lasted for about three months uh, everyone has the mindset of sacrifice we we are we are here to be miserable and we sacrifice until just before we can't walk anymore. And then we do this thing called retirement. And, uh, you know, we fly around the world and do things we should have done at a, at a younger age. Uh, so my mission became helping people prioritize themselves and, and their personal lives and start by really asking themselves, what do I want my personal life to look like? Because I've learned that you can, you can build any business model you want. I've spent nine years talking to people, individuals about their business model that has, that have complete freedom over how many clients they work with, how many days a week they work, the number of hours, what they charge. There are no rules and uh, everything seems to be equally difficult uh, or challenging to accomplish. So you might as well start with an idea that will land you with, you know, a lot of time with your kids or. Or pursuing your own uh, pursuing your own passions, and the genesis with with uh, with Dr. Ken, you know, I met somebody that was a PhD in psychology, and we were working on some projects where he was looking at uh, being able to predict how certain behaviors and and mindset changes would impact things like happiness and creative energy. And here I am going, wow, well, uh, a consultant is basically worth their creative energy, right? It, that's the fuel of a consultant. We purchase people's creative energy. And so wouldn't it be cool to understand and have some actual, have some actual data to show what things like time tracking or working two days a week versus five days a week or stopping, you know, your work at 5 PM. Or, or prioritizing your personal life, or not taking on bad clients, or offering one thing versus many things. All of these theories that I had, I thought, wow, wouldn't it be cool to actually know if that was having a positive or negative impact on, on the psychology of people? So we did that.
1: And so what's the answer? Does it have, does it have that positive impact?
0: Yeah. So there are some definitive answers, uh, but the most surprising thing to me was that there are there are different types of people. surprise, surprise, we're all different. And things that are good for some people have a negative impact on other people. And that was really humbling because you know i do I do a lot of group work uh, with consultants. And some people works really well. and some people, you know you can see it in their face. they're they're uh, terrified or they're very uncomfortable uh, with certain things that that other people swear by. And so it's just really, Cool to understand that everyone is different and you have to treat people like individuals and you can't just say hey go do these things because they're good, you have to. Interpret them for yourselves, and I think at the end of the day being becoming more self aware of how certain things impact you personally is the is the end goal, not a blanket statement that says you should change your workaholic mindset. You should work less because that will make you more valuable. No, for workaholics that will actually decrease their job satisfaction, slightly, uh, slightly decreased burnout, which is good. But the negative impact on job satisfaction, if you try to change a workaholic or a perfectionist mindset, those are like self identities. You know, they, they identify, they've measured their self worth on their, on their work ethic to try and change that now. Is just going to put them into a a, tail, a dead spin. <laughs> so we have to figure out we have to figure out ways of harnessing that energy uh, in a good way. And for workaholics and perfectionists specifically, it is about harnessing that energy. You can work as hard as you want, but you have to put barriers around it.
1: So i I would love to start to unpack some of this because I know people are listening and they're thinking, "Wow, so maybe there is maybe there's something here that's been blocking me. Maybe there's a mindset." that I haven't embraced, is there a place when you looked at the data from the study, is there a, a clear path for like, here's where to start to begin to adopt the
0: right mindsets? Or you know what,
1: what, what were the big conclusions that you came up
0: with? So the study, the study was the first thing we tried to do is figure out what different types of people are there to sort of categorize them, you know, every, uh, every study or benchmark, they have like the little caricatures. So we found, we found four, uh, predominantly, uh, one is the imposter. So, and these are, these are driving behaviors. Like we, we all have a little bit of everything. Like I can, I'm a, I'm a workaholic. I'm a perfectionist. I am, uh, I am an imposter. I am a jack of all trades. I'm, I'm a bit of all of these things, but people tend to be driven by one or the other. Uh, they're heavily weighted. So the imposter, Uh, just walking around feeling like they're not good enough. And the fun part is the more we learn, the more we feel like we don't know, you know, fun, uh, fun imposter syndrome. And so uh, people with imposter syndrome have uh, certain behaviors that cause burnout, job dissatisfaction, life dissatisfaction, um, depletion of creative energy, all of these things. Then there's the workaholic, then there's the perfectionist, uh, which are sort of self-explanatory. And then the jack of all trades, the person that does everything because they can, <laughs> the, the, their ability is their nemesis. So we, we found those four profiles and, and sort of all the nuances. But one thing, one mindset came out at the end that is sort of a blanket statement, like you should do this. And that is the reversal of this sacrifice mindset. The prioritization of you and your personal life and the self-awareness of when you make a decision in your business, what are you sacrificing?
1: Yeah, I I think that's really difficult in this culture to reverse Uh, because it's so ingrained. And I think particularly for anyone who starts a business, I mean, the the idea is that, you know, the way that it's taught is that you've got to hustle, you've got to work hard, you've got to sort of pay your dues. To be able to get the thing off the ground, and that may or may not be true. I mean, we've seen plenty of examples where it is true. We've seen plenty of examples where it's not true. Um, they exist out there, um, and and so when you talk about kind of being aware of the sacrifice, what what are some of the the ways people go about doing that that you found to be successful as they they sort of begin to make this change?
0: Well, I mean, you know, an example of what you're sacrificing, people take on bad clients all the time. They see the red flags, but they're under some situational pressure or stress, especially when we've got COVID going on, we've got an impending recession. Everybody in their first year of consulting seems to go through this period where they take on anything because they don't feel worthy of of like choosing the thing that they're best at. They, they just say that they're, well, oh, I'm in the... You know, I'm in the learning phase, uh, they're not, they've had like 25 year careers in their field. So anyway, that's ridiculous. But something as simple as, you know, what is the opportunity cost of taking on a bad client? Your, your capacity to work with clients is not unlimited. In fact, every client you take on, your, your performance and your creative energy depletes. So there's an area of diminishing returns. And for a consultant, it's not that many clients. I mean, think about you know juggling. I I can't. I can barely juggle two things, which I don't even think is considered juggling. So three, I mean, what, why is your business any different than uh, trying to keep balls in the air? And so the question is, when, when I choose to take on a client that is not my absolute perfect fit, where our mindset aligns, uh, where they're going to. Pay me more than anyone else in the marketplace, where they're going to refer me to other clients just like them, where I'm going to be more efficient working with them. What is the opportunity cost? Well, the opportunity cost is a good client.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of people get stuck right there. You know, they, particularly in that, in the early days, because they get stuck between the circumstance of the moment, which is I got to put food on the table. I got to pay the bills. And here's somebody with money who is willing to give it to me. And then sort of being very clear and very focused and, you know, and very demanding about who you bring on and and what the real cost of that is. I think that's a hard thing for people to overcome.
0: I think it's even harder to say no, even if it's a good client. I think it's even harder to say no to something that is outside of your expertise, which which sort of gets to the to the jack of all trades uh, which is really driven by the market for, for some of these profiles they are driven by different things. So the workaholic and the perfectionist are very self inflicted. They're like something happened in childhood that, that like, that's their identity. The imposter is uh, triggered by situations. I did take on a new client that I'm not familiar with, and now I feel like an imposter. So it's situational, but the the Jack of all trades is market driven. So like, I remember, when I was running a marketing agency and uh, in marketing agency world for a long time, all the money was coming from MarTech. There was like this explosion of MarTech Marketo and, and HubSpot. And they were just dumping all this money into the market to create all these agencies because they needed a bunch of button pushers and and they didn't want to have it on the, they didn't want to have it on the balance sheet. Anyway, that's a longer story. But uh, what happened was, As these MarTech softwares capabilities grew, as they started to launch new features, they then put pressure on those agencies to expand their service lines. Well, we just came out with a new sales tool. Guess what, marketing agency? Now you have to learn how to provide a sales service. And so you got these businesses where their capabilities had to expand. And uh, that created this mentality of we should be able to do it ourselves and and now you're offering all these different services to a host of to a, a myriad of different types of clients with different challenges that are in different situations and uh yeah it it created a lot of problems i forget what the question was but yeah that's <laughs> jack of all trades
1: well and i i think we're for a lot of business owners the temptation is to go right there specifically in in those early days when you know, cash flow is tight and any opportunity seems like a good opportunity. I think it's difficult for people to to sort of discern the cost. Yeah. And, you know, and and weigh the cost. So yes, there's opportunity costs, but I have cash in hand right now. You know, and and making that trade-off is really difficult when when you're in that place of low cash flow. Um, I think it gets a lot easier when you're in a, a more advanced Stage where cash flow isn't the worry. Yeah, and a lot of businesses never get out of that.
0: Well, I guess that was the point of the study, right? Is to is to give people some longer term uh, view of uh, what these decisions are actually costing them. Because we we did find that, for example, instead of performing all the tasks as a solopreneur, uh, partnering with other experts. Uh, not necessarily hiring them, but just allowing other people out there in the market to do pieces of what is needed. Saying, "No, I will not service that sales platform." Thank you very much. I have a good friend that is uh, that is a specialist in that. That that was for uh, for perfectionists and jack of all trades. That that decreased burnout by something like sixty percent. Wow! Just with a mindset of ah, a new thing. I will find a person. It does that. Instead of I will learn how to do that, and so it's just a different interpretation. I see that it needs to be done. I see the market is going in that direction. But instead of expanding my capabilities outside of my zone of genius, where I can be, you know, where I can develop a lot of expertise, a lot of positioning, uh, a lot of consistency, a lot of simplicity, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, uh, I'm gonna find someone to do it, and I'm gonna trust that they can do a better job than me.
1: A lot of of this comes back to I think what we talked about in in the first episode, which is really, if you boil it down, it's it's about going deep instead of wide, because the focus gives you the ability to create some leverage, which gives you the ability to focus on things outside of the business, outside of work, and you know I look I I know I'm sitting here listening to your four descriptions and I'm like yeah I check all those boxes, you know excuse me, at one level or another. And the temptation is great sometimes when you see a client sort of manifest a problem and you go, yeah, I can solve that. I see the solution to it. I'm aware of the solution to it. It's very easy and very tempting to say, okay, yeah, we're gonna do that. It's very easy to paint the picture in your head of the riches that are gonna come because now I've added this thing that everybody needs. And and I think most of the time that's a mirage.
0: Well, financially it's a mirage because we, we did link differences in income, like big differences in income, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year for consultants. If you let these things run rampant, if you take those projects on, if you do all the administrative tasks yourself and don't uh, have internal, internal support roles in your business, if you don't seek out partnerships, if you uh, offer more than three services, you know all of these things combine to long term you're sacrificing hundreds of thousands of dollars let alone the creative energy and uh and satisfaction and freedom that we're all starting to enjoy in our personal lives but a lot of us are going back to the grind and uh so it it i'm not i'm not sure it's either an awakening for everybody and we're going to look back and say hey this is when it all you know this is when it all changed and we started to become self-aware or it was just a window that that we passed by remember that <laughs> remember we could actually like hang out with our kids play golf so
1: as you're working with clients now how are you applying some of the findings are there certain things you're you're asking them to do now differently than what you may have recommended that they do before?
0: Yeah. so um, you know like I said the mindset the mindset thing is uh, w- was the only mindset change that across the board had positive effects for creative energy and burnout like and and the it, when we launched this interview, I'll, I'll put a copy of the study in there so that you can sort of see the nuances for each each uh, each profile. but um, behavior wise there was a few that were you know blanket statement most powerful as well. And uh, time behaviors was number one above mindset, time behaviors. And so uh, I'm talking about things like setting barriers and being intentional with how much time that you're working. Uh, That doesn't mean you can't work your butt off. Uh, That doesn't mean you can't work more than nine to five. You workaholics out there, bless you you have to define it. You say, you have to say, I will work from seven to seven. Please don't do that. That's a lot of work. it sounds like a lot. But um, but if you do, that's OK. It, it is not the amount of work that you're doing. It is the it is the habitual setting of that barrier that says I am going to at some point prioritize my personal life. <laughs> and, and so you get in the habit of, of being able to control it uh, and, and you develop this like I have the ability to control it and, and I can I can work less because I'm, I'm controlling it or I can work more or whatever, but you have to, you have to set barriers. The other thing is you have to be uh, intentional and aware of what you are spending your time on. So for a lot of it, it it wasn't, Oh, if people work less, they make more money. There there was, there wasn't really indication that working less or working more had universal benefits, uh, positive or negative. What did have an impact is what you spend your time on.
1: Talk about that a little bit. What are some of the, the activities that popped up as being, you know, ones that resulted in in positive outcome and, and increased growth or increased income or whatever the measure was?
0: Well, it's it's personal. This is the self-awareness part. There are mm-hmm. things that you do that give you energy and there are things that you do that drain your energy. And so it's very important to understand what you're doing in your business. Most people don't. We have a habit of forgetting things that we don't like. That's why we drink it's a great tool for forgetting shit that we don't like <laughs> so we should write down a list of all the things that we actually do i email people i you know respond to things uh i i write stuff down like like the the individual things and at least having a, a hypothesis of yeah i i really like to do this stuff and i really don't like to do this stuff over here And the gray areas, things that we've developed capability around that drain our energy, the things that we're really good at, and and we've sort of developed this like pride that we're good at them. That doesn't mean that we enjoy them. And that doesn't mean that they give us energy. But anyway, some self-awareness around, you know, once you once you identify those things, how am I going to organize my day? When am I most productive? Well, we have to schedule those high energy things in the time of highest productivity. So some awareness and some intentionality behind how you plan, how you're going to spend your time and some awareness that if I'm that workaholic working seven to seven, I can't load that up with energy draining activity. I have to delegate some of it. A, that's the best thing to do is bring in. Uh, bring in other experts and share the burden so that you can spend your seven to seven doing things that you love.
1: I mean, at the end of the day, that's what we all hope to do, right? I mean, you don't, I don't think most of us start businesses with the idea that I'm going to spend the next, you know, 20 or 30 or 40 years doing things that drive me crazy, but then you get into it and, you know, you got to pay the bills and you got to, You know, there's admin work that has to be done. And I see a lot of people get caught in this trap of, well, I don't have anyone else, you know, and I think it is a trap. And I've, I've walked a number of clients through this thinking, even though it has nothing to do with what we do. Occasionally, we just have to have a counseling session. It's like, you can't, you can't move forward with what we're trying to help you with until you solve this other problem over here. And, you know, and, and I think most of the time, it's just a lack of clarity around what is really being done on a day-to-day basis. Um, I know that that's something that's helped me tremendously is about once a quarter, I will just make a list of, I'll spend a week just making a list of everything that I do. And it's insane the things that make it onto that list. You're like, why am I doing that?
0: Well, I'll tell you one thing that will make that nearly impossible. What's that? Taking on different types of clients and offering different types of services. <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that is, and, and that is the second behavior. Is, is to, to narrow down or to stop? Yeah, to narrow down. Yeah, yeah. to to sim- the, more, the more you can simplify the types of clients that you take on and the types of projects you take on, that is, we, we saw that it was directly related to things like burnout and creative energy. But I think the reason is, it goes hand in hand with these time behaviors, because how the heck can you find support roles for your services process if your services process is constantly changing? What would you even tell them to do? interpret what's needed, those people cost way too much. So the way to find support roles, the way to plan out your time, the way to develop some uh, self-awareness is to say, all right, at least for a little while, uh, we're going to do the same situation over and over. (laughs) We're going to take on clients with a certain industry so we understand their business situation and and can uh, develop some knowledge around that. And we're going to perform the same service using the same process and magically we find out that a lot of these things a lot of the things in that process can be done by other people there are certain magical scenarios where you know the the creator or the entrepreneur or the visionary needs to be present but it's usually like one or two performances that are supported by you know this whole backstage uh staff and and all this administrative uh all this administrative activity so you got to simplify And if you are to expand, make sure that you have created a highly efficient process that does not require you before moving on. Like conquer the thing before doing the other thing.
1: Well, and I I would argue that there are very few instances where, where you could really truly make a business case for expanding services. I mean, we're going through that right now. I mean, we've gone through the last two years and consolidated and consolidated and consolidated down to one thing and we offer it two ways and that's it.
0: Yeah. Well and, our de- our delusion is that we're ta- we're expanding our services. What we're actually doing is running multiple businesses.
1: Right. Yeah, without a team to do it. And right. <laughs> um, and you know when you do that you require superheroes in every role. And um and and that's the thing that kind of became immediately clear to me is that there was never a way to grow that without cloning myself and, and not, not to sound arrogant about it, but that isn't the easiest thing to do, you know, but what we've found as we've simplified and narrowed down to offering a single service is that number one, the clients are a whole lot happier. They're all happy. You know why they're all happy? Because we know how to do what we do so well that it avoids a lot of the mistakes that were happening before the things that were left out you know you learn more because you're going deep just it uh you know i know we've used the word simplify but it simplifies everything and that opens up the ability now to create time to focus on personal life to do all of those sorts of things so i'm i'm right there with you and to me the study is so so interesting it's really about if i'm understanding the findings it's it's first about putting attention on Where are you putting your time now and what are you giving up in order to put your time there? It sounds like those two things go go together very closely.
0: Yeah. And and understanding it's not your fault. Like we. So to your point, uh, we all have all of these uh, all of these things and they flare up at different times. You know, I'm, I'm writing my second book and I feel like an imposter. Um, well, not right now, but I did yesterday. So that's the, that's the fluctuation, right? Cause it's, it could just, it could come up or, you know, your, your, uh, a client waves $50,000 in front of your face and said, well, if you just solve this problem for me, you know, there's the Jack of all trades going, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I want to impress a client. So I, I over, I overwork and I blow my hourly budget, but all of these things have a good side as well you know, imposter syndrome causes us to, to really look at what we're doing and be experts workaholic uh, means that we over deliver perfectionist means that we deliver a superior product. Um, jack of all trades means that we are in fact, able to weather the storm when our support roles disappear. So it it got us here. And it, it is more about the self awareness of what causes these things? What is the root of them? And how does it link to The things that I'm feeling, I I don't feel burnt out magically. It's an engineered feeling that's caused by decisions that I made and uh, and I will make again because I'm a human being. So it's it's not to be perfect. It's not to eliminate these things. It's to understand them uh, so that when I do feel burnt out, I don't also feel depressed.
1: (laughs) Well, and I I think it it really gives a thinking tool set for you know, how to continue to grow a business. If you pay attention to these things, it, it kind of helps you create your own roadmap to growing in a way that doesn't destroy you.
0: I guess that's my favorite part. Is what does growth mean? Because for a lot of people, growth means money and people, about revenue, top line revenue, and the number of people you know, I can tell my friends at the bar that I now have 20 people working for me. Hurrah, I, I feel validated in some way. But maybe growth is more about our personal freedom, our job satisfaction, our creative energy, our, our lack of burnout, our, our simple enjoyment of what we're doing. And that's hard to measure unless you measure it. And uh, I don't think we look at those things. And that, that's what we're that's what we're trying to draw some attention to now is, you know, maybe we can measure and improve how much creative energy you have. What would that do? How would that look? And does that have an impact on how much money you make? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, totally. And and I think that's the
1: whole point is that this is not if, if I'm understanding everything that you've shared, this isn't one or the other. It's putting focus on your creative energy on your allocation of time and the level of burnout that you're feeling and really trying to avoid that so that you're creating much bigger results elsewhere. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like there's a direct correlation between grinding yourself into the ground and making lots of money.
0: Yeah. Well, we know that. Yeah, because it, it doesn't um, it, it doesn't last. But I'll tell you what, we need help because we can only measure the things we know about. And and the whole, uh, you know, the way Dr. Ken works is we predict the impact that certain things will have by observing the impact that certain things will have. So uh, we've been holding these panel discussions where uh, and the panel discussions are a mix of consultants that live it and these psychologists that understand things. <laughs> that's a good way to describe it. People living and people that understand what's happening. And and we just collect these theories. We, we hear from people and they say, oh, yeah, I've tried this. You know, I stopped working on Mondays and I use that to plan my week. All right. That's interesting. Now we can put that back into the study. We can ask people uh, if they do that or something similar to it and start to uh, predict and, and measure the impact that that kind of intentional time planning behavior will have for these certain profiles. So that if someone comes in, they score highly on workaholic, I can say, yeah, there's this great Monday planning thing, but for you, it's like the worst thing in the world. So don't do that. You should do this instead.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's, um, I think that's the other really valuable thing in, in the study is understanding which of these maybe is your predominant, you know, archetype and then which things you should avoid because they're going to, they're sort of going to play to that weakness and, and which ones are going to actually be beneficial to you. And, um, and it's not one size fits all. And I think, you know, for, for a lot of people, you can get into success porn on, you know, YouTube or Instagram or whatever. And (laughs) here's the next thing you got to do, right? Um, Here's the magic morning formula that's going to make all your problems go away. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's quite that simple.
0: And it it, uh, it changes, and you change. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, the way I've been thinking about it is, right now, I am feeling like an imposter. So, how, what do I do in this state of imposter syndrome? Another day, I will be, I'll be at hour nine of focused concentration, and I'll be feeling so productive. I get to that like red line manic zone where I'm just like tackling things. I'm like, yeah, this is great. I'm in workaholic mode. So I'm in workaholic mode. What do I do about it right here and now uh, to make sure that I don't burn out or to make sure that, you know, something else uh, doesn't happen. So it is variable by the individual, but it is also, you know, variable by your situation and your current state of mind.
1: Yeah, I absolutely can see that. So Max, where can people find more information about the study? I'm sure there are going to be people who want to kind of dig into it and, and really understand, all of the things that that you uncovered here, um, what's the best place for them to go?
0: Yeah, so I'll make sure that you have the links wherever this interview uh, gets posted. Um, So there's uh, we're at the stage of early findings in the psychology of consultant studies. So there's a a little PDF document that that talks about what we found. And then if you want to get your own profile, uh, we're about to launch a beta version of the Clarity app for consultants where you can uh, take some of the Uh, surveys yourself, get your own profile. uh, And that's where that's where we're building in the recommendation engine of these certain business behaviors and mindsets so that you can get some tailored, tailored recommendations.
1: Very cool. Uh, We'll get all of those links um, in the show notes. And uh, so wherever you're listening to this, just look in the show notes and they will be there. And you mentioned you've got a new book. What's what's the new book all about? And, And when is that coming out?
0: Yeah. So it's the uh, second book in my survival series. First one was uh, agency survival guide. So now we're going with the consulting survival guide and uh, also got, uh, since we last spoke uh, and as a result of the study, I put together a workbook for doing things better and uh, magically planning exercises, simplifying your service and all of these things Uh, breakthroughs for consultants in planning service and sales. Uh, so I went ahead and, uh, built in some of the things that we found in the study and, uh, some, you know, exercises, but, uh, all of these are available on my LinkedIn profile that usually gets updated uh, faster than my website does. Uh, so max trailer on LinkedIn, the, uh, the psychology of consultant study is available for download there. The workbook is there. The book is there. I basically make everything available for free despite the wishes of my publishing people that tell me not to do that. So there you go.
1: Awesome. Well, we'll put a link to your, your uh, LinkedIn bio and profile and, uh, folks can find all of those resources. Um, the survival guide is awesome. Um, I would argue that it's great no matter what business you're in having read it. Um, and so, Definitely get that. Um, the workbook looks amazing. I'll be going to, to get a copy of that here in a minute, as soon as we wrap up, and I can't wait for the uh, new book. I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, thanks so much again, Max, for for investing some time with me. This has been great. I'm looking forward to digging in and, and reading the full study and, and uh, getting into all the findings once they're out.
0: Keep doing the good work, Steve.
1: Thanks for listening to the Authority Builder Podcast. Here are three ways you can expand your authority. Number one, get a copy of the Million Dollar Book. In it, I show you how to multiply your authority by writing a best-selling book in less than 90 days guaranteed. After all, you're the best spokesperson for your ideas. Go to authoritybuilderpodcast.com slash book and get your copy. Number two, join me for an upcoming Write Your Million Dollar Book Accelerator and let's jumpstart your authority building book now. For upcoming dates, go to authoritybuilderpodcast.com accelerator. And number three, Work with me and my team to get your book done and bring in business. Email me at steve at authoritybuilderpodcast.com and put I want to write a book in the subject line. See you soon.